very special service today because not only are we going to celebrate communion and um, and uh, worship God that way, but we are going to also be praying for Aldman and Rubina as they head out to India, or to Indonesia, pardon me. And um, Aldman and Rubina are, are our missionaries, and we're really grateful for the privilege of being able to support them and to partner with them. And we, the way we do that is by praying for them and by supporting them financially. But uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna have Aldwin and Rubina come in in a bit. Uh, but before they do that, I I, I want to take a few moments to talk about about missions. And in case you don't know what missions is, missions very simply is is just going to the whole world and telling them about Jesus. And uh, the question could be asked, why bother? It's a lot of work. It's, it's very inconvenient, and it's quite costly. For some of us, when we think about missionaries, we think of those pesky Mormons going door to door, or we think of, of the JWs. Uh, some of us don't have very good, very good feelings or thoughts about missionaries. We hear that we're a missionary, and we, we automatically think something negative. Uh, some people think that those who who are missionaries going to foreign lands or just going on exotic vacations, uh, fully funded by the church. Um, listen to this mission field and tell me if you can figure out which mission field it is. Uh, if you go to this field, um, this country, uh, you're gonna, there's a chance you could get malaria. There are four kinds of deadly poisonous snakes. There's scorpions, crocodiles, alligators. There are three species of poisonous spiders. There are shark-infested waters. Any takers yet? There are the, the leading, in, in all the country, uh, or, or all the world, this place, don't say it, sh- sh- don't say it out loud yet. In all the world, this place leads in cancer death. It's the number one leader in skin cancer. Uh, it's the number one leader in lightning deaths. Every square mile, there are 50 times, uh, 50 strikes per, uh, per year on average. It's got the highest crime rate in the world. Um, it's got the most bicycle deaths. And uh, finally, it has the most hurricanes. Now, do you know which mission field I just described? Florida. <laughs> and I'd like to know, who would like to go to Florida with me on a mission? How would I like to go and live there? Uh, yeah, some of us have strange ideas. I hear people say, man, I'd like to go and be a missionary in Hawaii do some missions work on the beach. Um, I was saying earlier that I would love to have gone to the Philippines in January to do missions work. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, what is what is the missionary doing? And, and why bother going through all of that? Well, this week, Aldwin and Rubina are going to be heading out to Indonesia. And... Um, the question could be asked to them, why, why bother going through the trouble? Why leave your, your kids, the comfort of home? Why leave the grandkids behind? Why, why face the humiliation of, of asking people for money to support your ministry? Because it's not an easy thing. Why endanger your life in a country where very recently the Jakarta Post, that's the main newspaper in Indonesia, reported that on Saturday... A large homemade bomb 
exploded in a crowded market in a Christian neighborhood of Ambon, close to Patmira University. 53 people were injured, many critically, and this follows on from other incidents in April where 17 Christians were killed and 58 injured in marketplace bombings and attacks on villages in and around Anton. Why put yourself in danger? Why not just stay home and, and, and enjoy life here? Well, I'm going to tell you why in just a few moments. Missionaries have gotten a bad rap over the years. Sociologists, anthropologists have accused missionaries of cultural terrorism. Have you heard of that? Religious terrorism, trying to convert people from other religions. Some, of, some missionaries have been called puppets of Western leaders. And believe it or not, some have even been accused of being CIA operatives. Why bother? Why bother spending the money and endangering, risking your life to go to other parts of the world to tell them about Jesus? I want to show you this video clip. And um, it's a, basically, to set the clip up, it's a, it's a basic little clip. It tells a story about how a man making a good income gave it up to tell people about Jesus. And then we have to ask the question, why bother? Go ahead, Scotty. Why bother? His wife gives up her job. He gives up his job. They give up relative ease, security, comfort. Why bother? I want to share with you a passage of Scripture from Psalm 65 in the Old Testament. The psalmist is, is taking some time to contemplate, to think about who God is. And... Um, Look at what he says. You faithfully answer our prayers. Now this is, he's talking to God. This is like a prayer, a song to God. You faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds, O God, our Savior. Just want to stop there for a moment. Do you notice the word that the psalmist uses to describe God? Describes him as a Savior. This is in the Old Testament. This is not the New Testament. This is the Old Testament. And I want you to recognize, before we go any further, that from the very beginning of time, God has chosen to reveal himself as a Savior. This implies, obviously, that we need saving, that we're in trouble. If you uh, haven't been living with your head in the sand for the last 10 years, then, then you know that... This world is in pretty serious trouble. Our environment is very seriously in trouble. We've got epidemics and pandemics. We've got diseases and sicknesses going around the world. Crime is out of control. And I could go on and on. It sounds like a CNN news report, but I'm not going to do that this morning. Because you know how serious the problems in this world today. And you don't want to know something, folks? Nothing is really new. 
Because humanity, this world, has consistently been in this condition and has consistently needed uh, saving. And so the, so the psalmist says, you're awesome. You faithfully answers our prayers, O God, our Savior. And listen to this. Watch this. If you could read this underlined line with me. Can you say it with me? You are, say it, one, two, three. You are the hope of everyone on earth. He declares that God is the hope of the world. He's the only hope. Because no other religion, no other being has ever offered hope to the whole world as God has. The psalmist says, even those who sail in distant seas need God. You formed the mountains by your power. You armed yourself with mighty strength. You quieted the raging seas, the raging oceans with their pounding waves and silence, listen, and silence the shouting of the nations. What does that describe our world today? Wars and rumors of wars. God alone is able to silence all of that. Those who live at the ends of the earth, the psalmist goes on to say, stand in awe of your wonders. And from where the sun rises to where it sets, listen to this, you inspire joy. The author of this psalm understood that God alone is the hope of the whole world. A missionary in Africa was once asked if he really liked what he was doing. His response was really quite shocking because this is, this is what he says. He says, do I like this work? No. I don't like being a missionary in Africa. My wife and I do not like dirt. We have reasonably refined sensibilities. We do not like crawling into vile huts through goat dung. Liking or dis- disliking has nothing to do with it. He says, we have orders to go, and we go. Love pushes us on. Who gave him those orders? Who gave that missionary couple orders to quit their job and live in, really, living in poverty so that they could tell others about Jesus? Who gave those orders? I'll tell you who gave the orders. Jesus did. Jesus, after he rose from the dead, gave a a parting message to his followers before he ascended into heaven. And you know what he said? He said, go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel, the good news. Go into all the world and bring hope to this broken and hurting world. Jesus said, you go. And Jesus at that moment was saying, listen to this and get this. Because if you call yourself a Christian today, then you have to understand that you are a partner with Jesus in bringing hope to everyone on earth. The psalmist says, you are the hope of everyone on earth. And Jesus says, those who follow me are partners with me in bringing hope to everyone on earth. That's why we bother. That's why we we send out Aldwin and Rubina to Indonesia so that they can preach and teach 
pastors how to preach the good news, to give them hope. A one, a one-legged, one-legged school teacher from Scotland came to J. Hudson Taylor, who was the director of the China Inland Mission. This Scott, a Scottish one-legged school teacher comes to Hudson Taylor and he says, I want to, I want to offer myself to, to go to China. And, um, Taylor says, you want to go to China with only one leg? So we weren't too politically correct then. Why do you think of going as a missionary to China? China is difficult enough. Why would you want to go with just one leg? And the sharp Scottish one-legged school teacher said, because I do not see those with two legs going. And George Scott, the one-legged Scottish school teacher, was accepted to go to China to bring hope to those in China. Why bother? I mean, wouldn't it be easier if you're one-legged just to stay at home? But this Scottish school teacher had orders to go. And so off he went to China. I want you to know today that you and I, if we are a follower of Christ, are partners with Christ in bringing hope to a broken and hurting world. Christianity throughout the centuries has attempted to bring this message of hope to the whole world. It's what we've always done. We've been, we've been ridiculed. We've been called names. We've had people say that we're, we're as I've said it already, we, we're, we're, we're cultural terrorists. We're religious terrorists. Well, I want to share with you a little bit of what the Christian hope has done for this world. The very first thing we recognize is that Christians, in obedience to God's call to go into the world to bring hope to the hopeless, have built schools around the world. Do you know that that's one of the very first things that missionaries do? They go and build schools to educate people. Why? So that they can better their lives and so that they can read for themselves about the Jesus who gives hope. Did you know that the University of Winnipeg used to be a Christian college? If you, I think, I think it's still there. I think you could still see some of the stained glass windows there. It used to be for the purpose of Christian education, believe it or not. If you go to Yale University, you'll discover that Yale University was a school that was created in an effort to train ministers. And back in 1701, train people to go out and bring good news to the hopeless. Same thing could be said of Harvard University. In fact, Harvard University is actually named after a clergyman, a minister by the name of John Harvard. Not to be confused with our John Harvard. <laughs> and the purpose of that university was to train Puritan ministers to bring the message of hope and good news to a broken and hurting world. Same thing can be said for Princeton University. All these universities, all these schools built to educate because it's part of the process of bringing hope to the hopeless. I'm going to ask Brother Aldwin and Rubina to come right now.
Because this is the area that they're involved in. They're involved in educating. They're going over to Indonesia, one of the biggest nations on earth. And they're going to be sharing with Indonesian pastors how to preach effectively and powerfully. Alderman, share with us a little bit of what you've got there. Thanks, Pastor Alan. Uh, we appreciate your confidence and your prayers and support over these years. And I was thinking, you know, um, this is probably the best way when we work from a church. Um, and then you're responsible to the church. Um, we have so far trained literally uh, thousands of pastors who in turn have led thousands of people around the world. And so uh, we have a few minutes. I, uh, I just want to show you. Uh, uh, we would, first of all, we have been invited again to speak to, last year I spoke to about 1,200 um, people who are involved in education and pastors at the New Jersey Spanish Education Conference on the um, next, this week, Friday and Saturday. They had about 1,200. Uh, they don't have a Bible school, so what they do, they train people in the churches. So I'm speaking to the trainers and the pastors. Um, and uh, they invited us back again. Then I have been invited to an educational conference in Indonesia for uh, Bible college presidents and some professors. And this is an awesome opportunity to um, partner with the Bible college. Um, I teach about preaching and signs, wonders, and miracles. And, of course, this is a Muslim land. And, um, and it's going to be a great opportunity. Um, yeah, this is one of the conferences I spoke at uh, in 2007. Here is a preaching seminar. At one of the conferences, so I um, I am also going to be doing a a seminar for over a hundred pastors, could be 150. Uh, this is one of my former students when I taught at Asia Pacific Theological Seminary in the Philippines, and then I ran into him some ten years later, and now he pastors a church of three thousand people. Uh, this is his church, and you could see that the altar, no, this is, that looks like Pastor Chuck's church. He's the general, that's where I'll be speaking. They have moved now from about 5,000 to about 10,000. I have been invited to speak at, um, another church. Could you put the slide on? Yeah, this church is one of the largest auditoriums in the world. It has 20,000 people. And God has opened the door for me to uh, speak from the first through the fourth in this church. The Thursday meeting, I don't know what they're going to do with me, but and I haven't heard. 
but uh, um, uh, on the Thursday, they have 10,000 people. And so it's a wonderful opportunity. And, um, and, uh, and then we, um, that, that's it, right? No, that's it. So, uh, uh, we, we appreciate your prayers. We would, we would, uh, we like to solicit your prayers. The last time Rubina and I went to India, she came home sick. So did my friend's wife from South Africa who travels with me. He's not traveling with me this time. And, um, uh, Indonesia, this church I'm going to that has 30,000 people is the, one of the largest churches in the world. I'm saying, my goodness, what's going on here? <laughs> Anyhow, it's, uh, you know, I'm scared. <laughs> so I need lots of prayer. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just going to do my best. I don't know what else to say, Alan. You could ask me a question. You came home sick last time. From India. From India. And, um, and you're making lots of money off of this, right? Oh, yes. Going to buy a... What am I going to buy? A BMW. <laughs> you look like a BMW type. Yeah. Why bother? You're leaving. You got your kids here. You got your grandkids. Um... It's it's costing you money personally, and you've got to grow on asking people to support you. Uh, that's really really difficult. And you come home worn out and tired. You uh, you risk your health, Rabina. Why why are you going? You know, Pastor Allen, my grandson about a month ago, um, they love to sleep over at Grandma's house, and they climb into Grandma's bed. Uh, my grandson, who is seven years old, and our granddaughter asked the same question. She's six years old, and she said, they said, Grandma, why bother? Precisely the same question. Dominic said to me, Grandma, I have, I have accepted Jesus into my heart, and you know, if Jesus takes me to be with him, I know that I'm going, going to be with him. But, but Grandma, why do you bother to go overseas? He says, you know, Grandma, it's not fair. I know Jesus, and I know I'm going to be with him in heaven. But there are so many people around the world who have not heard about Jesus. And I said, Dominic, that's why we bother. Because we love Jesus, and because he has commanded us. And he says, Grandma, are you a missionary? And I says, yes. We are missionaries, and each one of us here today that's sitting in the pew, you're here because someone spoke to you, and they were a missionary to you. Whether near or far, we are all missionaries, and we have to do our part to share the good news of Jesus. You want to hear some more good news? I I, I need to share this with you before I go. Um, My book is one of the first books. Uh, that talks about signs, wonders, and miracles, and it's already translated into Chinese. We paid $3,000 for that, and I told the board we have, I'm not going to rush this. I'm going to believe God, the government is going to give us permission. Well, to make a long story short, I am in contact with somebody in Springfield who have never had a rejection. Wow. So before long, we're going to, we're going to go up to China. 
and we could eat all the Chinese food we wanted, <laughs> <laughs> and work with the pastors. Okay. Rabin is telling you that's enough. Yeah. But, <laughs> he doesn't know when it's enough. <laughs> I would like to pray uh, for Rabina and Aldwin, and um, if you would just, re- just reach your hand out this way and, and join me in that. <sighs> Father, we thank you right now for this couple and for their willingness to serve you in this manner. God, they're, they're making huge sacrifices so that they can go and bring hope to the world. God, surely there's nothing more exciting. Surely there's nothing more important than this work. And so we pray that you would give them traveling mercies. We pray that you protect them. We pray that you meet their every need. Keep their families safe, oh God, mm-hmm. as they travel. And most of all, we pray, God, that many, many lives would yeah. hear the good news, that many, many lives would, would have hope, brand new hope that comes from you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Christians have brought education around the world. Did you know that um, that it was the church through the centuries that built schools? And yeah, they've made mistakes. They haven't always got it right. But it's, it's unfortunate, isn't it, that you always hear the bad news. You never hear the good. And I'm going to say that for centuries, the church has educated and taught and made people's lives better. Did you know that up until really um, not that many years ago, it was, it was church groups that built hospitals around the world. The hospital where Jesse was born in Greece was actually, uh, it was a mission hospital, Agios Lucas, St. Luke's, run by the Presbyterians. Grace Hospital, it was a Salvation Army that built that hospital. St. Boniface. I believe, if I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was the first hospital in Winnipeg and perhaps in Manitoba, built by people compelled by the love of Christ to bring healing and comfort to those who are sick. This, this, my friends, in the name of Jesus. Jesus and his followers are the hope of everyone in the world. There was a doctor by the name of Ernest Jacob Christoffel, 1908. He was traveling overseas, and he was noticing that children were, were going blind be, just because of poor hygiene. And uh, he went over as a, as a Christian and taught these people how just basic hygiene. And through that, many, many... Children were spared blindness. And there's a mission today called the, the Christian Blind Mission. And they work around the world bringing hope. It's Christians. It's a Christian organization. Christians who've got a conviction that they alone can bring hope to the world. My, my wife's uncle... He's a well digger here in Canada, down, down in Ontario. 
And he said to his pastor one day, you know what, I can't do much. All I, all I can do is, is, is dig wells, but I really want to serve God. I want to, I want to honor God with, with what I can do. And he said, is there anything that I can do? And, the, and what he didn't know is that his, his, uh, his pastor had just been talking to a missionary who said, we need somebody to come over and dig wells. And so he loaded up his tools and he went over to Africa and started digging wells. And he became more important and more famous than any of the pastors or anybody else because he was bringing water. And they asked him, why did you come here? Why are you digging holes so that we can have water? And he said, because Jesus called me to do that. Christians who follow Christ are the hope of the world. I have a friend from Newfoundland. He's an expert in agriculture. And he said, God, how can you use me? He talked to his pastor. And his pastor said, well, it's interesting you should ask because our emergency relief development organization needs someone to go over and teach basic agricultural skills And so there he went, teaching his basic agricultural skills and bringing hope to the hopeless. A few years ago, we were bombarded by images of women in Afghanistan who were an acid thrown in their face because they didn't cover their face up. Do you remember that? Women forced to wear burqas, basically covering from head to toe with a tiny little screen that they could, they could peep out of. Women have been reviled and treated terribly. But I want you to know something. 2,000 years ago, along came Jesus and elevated the worth of women so that women were declared equal with men. Jesus and his followers are the hope of the women of the world. In India, the practice was that when, a, when an Indian man would die, his body would be burned. But it wasn't just his body that was burned. His widows were put on the funeral pyre with him, and they were burnt to death because the husband was dead. Christians came to that country and saw this horrendous thing and they immediately moved to abolish this practice. Now you could call this cultural terrorism if you want to, but my friends, I call this hope. Hope for a world that is steeped in practices that bring destruction and pain and suffering and sorrow. Jesus is the hope of everyone in the world. Back in the 1700s, William Wilberforce, a politician. You've heard me talk about him. He's my favorite after Kevin. (laughs) He sees these poor black people with their scars. And here's a story of how they are brought out of Africa to become slaves. Incensed, he begins a campaign to bring an end to slavery 
in Britain and the British Empire. And because of William Wilberforce and because of his lone voice in Parliament, eventually slavery came to an end. And not just slavery in Britain, but slave trade came to an end because of this man who understood that Jesus loved the people of Africa and that they were equal. Christ and his followers are the hope of the world. In the Sudan recently, just a few years ago, people were being traded as slaves. It was mostly Christians that were being traded. They'd be captured and put on the auction block. And the government couldn't do anything about it. But some Christians heard about this and they thought, well, we can't put an end to this, but we can do something. And you know what they did? Cal Bombay, my friend, he visited me when I was in, in Greece as a missionary. He, he loaded up a bag of $200,000. They said, you're crazy. You can't carry $200,000 with you because it's the only way. He loaded up $200,000, went over to the Sudan, and he started buying slaves to set them free. They asked, why did you do it? Why bother? Why risk it? He says, because I've got orders to go and bring hope to the world. This, my friends, is your Christianity. And lately, we've been attacked mercilessly in the media as a bunch of bigots, as being intolerant. But I want you to know that history stands against this, this, these false claims. Because all of history shows that Christianity and Christians have been faithful in bringing hope to the broken, the hurting, the sick, the blind, the helpless, the hopeless. You've got every reason to stand up and rejoice and be glad that you are a believer today. And more than that, you've got every reason to rise up and say, God, here am I. Use me to bring hope to this broken and hurting world. Cultural terrorism? Right. I call it hope. Alila, a young mother, took her wee little baby, started walking into... The river, holding her tiny infant son close to her heart, tears welled up in her eyes, began to spill out over her cheeks. She stepped into the water, silently making her way out until she was waist deep. The water gently lapping at the sleeping baby's feet. She stood there for a long time, holding the child tightly as she stared out across the river. Then all of a sudden, in one quick movement, she threw the six-month-old baby to its watery death. Native missionary M.V. Varghese often tells people about Jesus among the crowds who gather at the Ganges River. And it was he who came upon Alila that day, kneeling in the sand, crying uncontrollably, beating her breasts. And with compassion, he knelt down next to her and put his arm around her and asked, What's wrong? And through the sobs, she told him the problems in her home were too many. And she said, my sins are heavy on my heart. And she said, because my sins are so great, I offered the best that I have, 
my firstborn son, to the goddess Ganges. The goddess Ganges. Where Jesus' heart ached for the desperate woman as she wept, and he gently began to tell her about the love of Jesus. And that through him, her sins could all be washed away. She looked at him strangely, and she said, I have never heard that before. Through her tears, she said, why couldn't you come 30 minutes earlier? If you did, my child would not have had to die. And that's a question, my friends, for all of us, because there's a whole world out there who is living in darkness and and hopelessness, and they're wondering, why isn't anyone coming to help? Each year, millions of people come to the holy Indian city of Hardwar to bathe in the river Ganges. And these multitudes come believing that this Hindu ritual will wash their sins away. For many people like Alila, missionaries are arriving too late. Some are just not coming. Because there aren't enough of those faithful brothers and the sisters on the mission field. I'm so glad that Aldwin and Rabin are going to Indonesia. What would thrill me even more is if some of our young people would say, you know what? Anybody could be an architect. Anybody could be an engineer. Anybody can be a plumber. I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to go and bring hope to the ends of the world. You see, Jesus has only one plan, and that's to use his followers to bring hope to this world. There is no plan B. And if you don't go, then nobody's going. I wonder today, young or old, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and saying, here's something that you can take on. What will you give your life to? What hopeless group in this world today needs you to come along and bring hope? They're waiting for you. Do you know, 91% of the world's population has heard of Coke. 91% of the world's population has heard of Coke. 74% have seen a Coke bottle with Coke in it. That's kind of drink I mean. 51% of the world's population has tasted Coca-Cola. But listen to this. Only 10% of the world's population has heard about Jesus. My friends, you and I have a responsibility to give up some of our comfort, to give up some of our wealth, some of our resources, to make it possible for the hopeless to have hope. The psalmist says, God, you're the hope of the world. And Jesus says, and you're partners with me in bringing hope to the world. I'm going to show you a little video clip right now. It's really a, a wonderful clip because it's, listen to this, it's a clip of these little children orphaned by AIDS, little children whose parents have died of various sicknesses, and Christians come along to Swaziland in Africa to bring hope to these kids. 
And I want you to see the joy that the psalmist is talking about. Psalm 65 verse 8 says, You inspire shouts of joy. When you're faithful in bringing hope to the world, you inspire shouts of joy. Watch this clip. It's fantastic. I don't think there's anything that brings more joy to the heart of the Father than something like that. Wow. Bringing joy to the broken child's heart. It's Christians that are making those sacrifices. People take seriously the call to bring hope to the hopeless. Did you see the smile on their faces? Did you see the energy? Did you see how bright and shiny their eyes are? You would never know the grief and the pain that they've been through. But folks, that is precisely the message of the gospel. It's a message of hope, a message of joy. And the psalmist got it right. You inspire shouts of joy. Would you bow your heads and pray with me right now? Father, what a privilege it is to live in this land of plenty. But the temptation that each and every one of us faces is to, is to think that this life is all about me. Some of us have so much. Some of us don't have as much as others. But God, you're calling us to, to take what we have and share it. Share it with, with people like those little kids we just saw. And they got a song to sing and they're rejoicing and they're glad and they're laughing and they're jumping, which is the way it should be. Because some Christians said, I'm going to follow Jesus. Father, would you take us and use us to bring hope to this world? Would you take us and use us to bring joy to those who have no joy? to bring delivery to those who are enslaved. God, even as we're sitting here today, things are going through our mind and we're thinking of people who are, who are in deep darkness and, and who are suffering today. And we think there's, there's ways that I could help. God, I pray that we'd not forget that and that you'd show us how we can be used by you to bring hope to this world. As we prepare our hearts now to receive communion, help us to recognize that the reason that we have hope, the reason that we have joy, is because Jesus took away our sins. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to, we don't have to sacrifice our children to appease some angry God. That's not who you are. You're a loving God who gave his own son to take away our sin, to take away the guilt and the shame, to give us new life. Lord, if there are any here today who have not yet asked Christ into their heart, may this be the day. 
And maybe while your eyes are closed and your heads are bowed, maybe you could just say this prayer with me because you say, Pastor, I don't really know what to pray. I don't really know how to become a Christian. I don't really know how to ask Jesus into my life. But I want to. I want to, I want, I want to share with Jesus in, in bringing hope to this world. I can make a difference. My life has a purpose. It has meaning. God, if there's anyone like that here today, I pray that they would pray this prayer after me, and maybe everyone could pray it with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross and taking away my sin. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the bad things that I've done. Now I ask you to forgive me. Take away my sin and make me clean. I thank you for accepting me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning with a sincere heart, you mean it with all your heart, that I want you to know today that Jesus has accepted you as his very own. He's accepted you as part of the family. In a moment, we're going to take communion together. And this is for all those who have accepted Christ. I would invite you to take a few moments before we receive communion to examine your heart, just to make sure that everything is right between you and God. If there's any anger, any bitterness, any hatred, any resentment in your heart, this is not, this is not of Jesus. And you need to be cleansed of that. Jesus is all about love. All about hope. All about healing. And God wants to use you to bring love to the world. But you can't if you've got hatred in your heart. So let that go right now. The Bible says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. In the same manner, he took the cup and said, This is a new covenant to my blood. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, what do you do? You proclaim my death until he return. Proclaiming his death until he returns is all about telling the world about the hope, the hope of the good news of what Jesus has done. Jesus has come to give you a brand new heart. Jesus has come to bring, give you life. Jesus has come to put you in a family. You felt lonely. You felt disconnected. When you become a Christian, you become part of a family. When you ask Jesus into your life, he gives you a purpose to get up in the morning. You discover what your purpose in this life really is all about. So would you take a moment right now to examine your heart and see where you're at spiritually. Make sure that there's nothing in there. No anger, no hatred, no bitterness, no resentment. And if there is, ask God to, to forgive you and to take that away. And he will. Because the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful. And he's just. And he forgive us our sins. So take a moment to do that right now.
Yes, Lord, we want to be used by you to bring hope to this world. And so we want to be clean. We don't want to hold any anger or any bitterness or resentment in our hearts. We want to let that all go so that you can use us for your purposes. Thank you, Lord, for including us in your plan, giving us the privilege of bringing hope to this world. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Today, if you're not a believer, um, uh, you're not under any obligation or forced to do anything. You can just sit where you are. don't have to move. Just observe. But I'm going to call upon uh, Richard and Dennis here to help me distribute these emblems. And when you're ready, I'm going to ask you to move out and, and receive these emblems. And if you would just hang on to them till everybody has them, and then we're going to take them together. Chana, you're going to sing for us right now. And uh, when you're prepared, please move out, receive the emblem, go back to your seat and just hang on, and we'll take them all together. Would you ask God to use you this week to bring hope to the hopeless and the hurting and the broken? Would you do that? Ask God to make you a blessing. Let's stand together, shall we?